This week's edition of The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy is presented to you by Manscaped. You know, it's never too early to play holiday music, no matter what all those angry people on Twitter tell you. And it's never too early to start thinking about gifts. I know that I'm one of those guys that usually waits until the last minute. I go shopping on Black Friday, trying to ensure myself a spot in line after waiting for hours. I'm done with that because I can head over to manscaped.com and put in that promo code Hardy to get 20% off my order and free shipping to make sure that that man in your life is taken care of this holiday season. You can do your little drummer boy a favor and use the lawnmower 4.0 to avoid another silent night in the bedroom. And it's not limited to just that because the Platinum Package 4.0 includes much more than just the lawnmower 4.0. It also includes the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer. Together they feature proprietary advanced skin safe technology to protect your delicate presence. Plus both are waterproof so there's no issue clearing the snow out to your driveway this winter. Now that you've groomed your candy cane, you're smelling good, you can turn to the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner to solve any stank problems all day long. Once they touch your sack, you will never go back. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HARDY at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code HARDY. Manscaped, get your jingle balls ready for the holidays. Words are about to be spoken here on The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, presented to you exclusively by Podcast Heat and AdFreeShows.com. I, of course, am John Alba, joined every single week by the broken one, the woken one, the spoken one himself, the man playing all the greatest hits for your week in, week out here on The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Mr. Matt Hardy, what's going on, my friend? Oh, I am here on uh, Thanksgiving Eve in Chicago. We're going to be doing... uh, a live dynamite. We're going to be taping Rampage. We're going to be taping Elevation. So a lot of stuff going on. And I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that my flight is on time in the morning and I make it home for the, to this lovely Thanksgiving feast that my queen Rebecca has prepared. Do you have any holiday travel tips for anyone who has to fly during the airport, especially early? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I, I would say uh, I always recommend in general uh, getting to the airport like two hours early an hour 45, two hours early, just to be safe. I mean, a lot of times when I fly and my status and whatnot, that helps expedite my processes, but uh, definitely get there early. And if you're traveling over Thanksgiving, definitely get there extra early because it is it is going to be packed as it is. Are you a TSA pre-check or a clear kind of guy? Uh, I, I do have those things, but uh, uh, my favorite is just having status on airline and using the first class line. Okay. And that, that is my favorite. Do you have take your pinky out when you, you drink your water, you extend your pinky and everything. Nah, you sort the beverages. <laughs> no pinky out. I see. Okay. Gotcha. Well, I'm, I'm all, I, I do have uh, 6 million flyer miles or whatever the fuck. Wow. Airlines combined. just across different airlines. Yeah. Wow. And I remember six too, million. I remember when I used to have six different, uh, like status cards, 
you know, when there were so many airlines, but they've all condensed and kind of merged and whatnot. So that doesn't happen quite as often nowadays. Well, I'll be headed to United Terminal C this coming week for WrestleCade. More on that in just a moment. But first, I want to talk about AEW for a second because we had the Full Gear pay-per-view this past Ah. weekend, and there is a new AEW world champion. That is Maxwell Jacob Friedman. The era of MJF is here in cahoots with Lord William Regal himself. Yeah. What did you think of that, Matty? Um... It was an it was an interesting move for sure, uh, but it is very on brand for the MJF character, I think. And um, I, I'm really excited about MJF's run as champion. I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, Maxwell Jacob Freeman, so uh, it, it's going to be really interesting to see how the people gravitate towards him as champion. And considering he is going to be like the centerpiece of the promotion, it's going to be really interesting to see how. It does number wise, you know, how from ratings and, and buy rates and, and whatever else. Uh, but but I feel like more than anyone, MJF is the most homegrown AW talent, even more than like Hangman Page, because I feel like Hangman Page was the first real homegrown talent that actually won the title. But he also had, you know, a big run in Ring of Honor and he, he worked in Japan. He's done. I mean, this is really MJF's first run on top. And now he is representing AEW as the champ. And, and I think it's a good move. I'm, I'm all for it. And I, I really, truly believe, and, and deep in my heart, I think MJF is going to be the, the face of AEW for a long time to come. What do you think of him pairing with William Regal, seemingly? Uh, th- that, that's going to be interesting. The, the first thing it makes me think about is what is going to happen to the, the Blackpool Combat Club. Um, you know, because I, I dug the Blackpool Combat Club, and, I, and I, I think they were over. I think people were into their act, and it was interesting. Uh, none of those guys necessarily need Regal as it is. Uh, Regal is very good at being a, a heel. He's very good at getting heat. So the combination of him and MJF t- together, I'm, you know, color me curious because I truly am. I'm very curious to see what they do. And I think it's going to be interesting to see the repercussions that this this creates on the Blackpool Combat Club as well as uh, kind of adding another layer to MJF's heeldom. A very newsworthy show across the board. Your boys in the elite returned. Again, yeah. you're you're jealous because you want to you want to be in the elite. The, the elite, the elite, the the elite. Well, that ain't the song they came out to. They came out to "Carry On Wayward Son" by Kansas, and it was an yeah. it was an awesome entrance. Uh, they, however, the lost. reason I sung the song, John, is just to make the FIs man. That's right. Well, because you want to be in the elite. You know, I have to keep the FIs man. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's my commitment commitment to the FIs, your, your loyal, loyal FIs. They but what do you think of their match? A, a pretty controversial ending. And now, as we found out, a best of seven series between them and Death Triangle. Yeah. Match number two is happening tonight here live in Chicago, which I can't wait to see them embrace the reaction they're going to get in Chicago. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I, I dug the match. I mean, once again, if you put the Young Bucks – with the death triangle in the ring, you're, you're going to have magic, you know? I mean, th- those guys are special and, you know, uh, a lot of the old timey, you know, pro wrestling fans, it might not be there. It might not necessarily be their thing. They might not like it so much, but they're undeniable how much people love what they do together. We also saw the crowning of two other champions, Samoa Joe becoming the TNT champion after yeah. your boy Wardlow did a, uh, <laughs> Wardlow in the wind. A Wardlow in the wind. Yeah, that was unbelievable. And Jamie Hayter, the new interim women's champion, a good pal of your friend, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. 
What do you think of their crowning moments? Uh, I, I think the the Jamie Hader thing was was a good call. I, I think she has a very special uh, organic feel that she has really gotten established, and people have really there's been a, a huge groundswell of support behind her. So it, it was great to see her her win that title. You know, the interim women's championship, and and I really wish we could get back to just having the regular women's championship. You know, make one women's championship is just so it's not complicated, it's not confusing. Um, but I think Jamie Hader being the champion is a good call. Uh, the Samoa Joe thing almost shocked me a little bit, you know, because I, I, I dug Warlow as the TNT champion. But uh, I, I think maybe uh, this is going to open open Wardlow up for something even bigger and better. Yeah, nasty, pissed off Wardlow chasing is always that, – that's good business as far well, as I'm concerned. Especially now that you have his former boss who gave him the hardest time, MJF, is the, uh, mm-hmm. the world champion. Yeah, I think that's good business. As far as Jamie goes, I tweeted this, and I feel like this is something that you're probably on the same page with me about. 80% of booking is making sure that the fans go home happy. You give them what they want, you're going to have them returning and paying money to see you again. Uh, Of course. You you have to listen to the fans in the arena. You have to listen to the fans. The fans clearly wanted that moment for Jamie Hayter. Tony Storm was awesome as women's champion in yes, AW. I thought really, Tony Storm was she, great. She, she she did an amazing job. But the time was now for Jamie Hayter. And kudos to them for pulling the trigger, recognizing, okay, it's it's right. time. Because in the past, those things have been missed. We've talked about it at length in WWE. And sure. I do think even in AEW, there's been a couple times where maybe they were two weeks late to pull the trigger on something or whatever it may be. You have to find the right place and the right time. And I thought... Newark was the right place in the right time for Jamie Hayter. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what comes from her run there and excited to see the rest of the calendar year as we build to winter is coming. Jeff Jarrett was in action at AW Full Gear. You see his match? I did. What did you think of Double J? Um, you know, it was, a, it, was a, it was an interesting match, you know. Uh, Jay Lethal, uh, you know. Took the pinfall. He's the one that got beat. So, uh, you know, their their team went down and they lost. But, you know, it it is what it is. It was a it, it was a it was an interesting match. Well, we decided to do a little pivot this week, Matt. We were supposed to talk about your brother Jeff's return to WWE in two thousand six this week. We are going to talk about that, but that's going to be next week's episode. Instead, we had some news this week regarding Jeff Jarrett. Last week on the podcast, I got your thoughts on some of the things he said on his podcast, My World. Right. Next thing I know, we've got a match announcement at WrestleCade. It's going to be you versus Jeff Jarrett, seven years after your incident at WrestleCade together. And here we are in a big-time co-main event match this coming Saturday at WrestleCade. How'd this all come about? Um, Can you imagine... The shock in my mind whenever I got a call from uh, from the the booker, the promoter, WrestleCade said, "Hey, uh, would you be down for wrestling Jeff Jarrett? You know, considering you have an open contract and you know you kind of lay it out a challenge. Whoever wants to face you, uh, it, it was shocking. It was shocking to hear. And I was like, of course, you know, I I, I didn't expect that. But you know, as I said last week on the on the podcast, uh, we never had a return singles match." after he recklessly sliced me open with that guitar, you know? So uh, he got a reprieve, but uh, this Saturday, the reprieve ends. 
it's going to be you versus Jeff in one of the co-main events of WrestleCade. That is Hardy Country. Keep in mind here, guys. Hardy Country, North Carolina. Winston-Salem is about an hour and a half away from the Hardy compound or so. 100 miles on the dot. Yeah, it's it's an hour, 40-minute drive. The beauty of it, this show is going to be live-streamed on pay-per-view titlematchnetwork.com you're going to be able to tune in purchase this and you can watch it live and i'm even going to be on commentary for this match i found that out recently i've worked with jeff i've worked with you obviously extensively i'm I'm gonna try to call this as unbiased down the middle with kevin gill and veda scott as i can i i can't wait to see how this thing plays out matt hardy it's going to be a very very john i i I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen when I yeah. get to Jared. Have you thought at all about what kind of animosity might exist? Because you've had some interactions backstage at AEW. It's not like you haven't. You've talked to him. You've interacted with him. But now you're in a position where people are going to get hurt. Yeah. Someone is going to get hurt for sure. Um, w- once again, we, we're on a, on a minimal interaction level. You know, if if we have to talk about something, I guess we will. But we, as I said, we don't send each other Christmas cards. Right. We don't invite each other's families over to, to Thanksgiving dinner or whatever. You know, so um, I've got a feeling when it's all said and done, either this match is going to turn out really bad and controversial, which people would probably like if that happens anyway, especially if our wives are around. They're both going to be there, which is scary in itself. Um or maybe there's some way maybe there's some way we come out of this with uh, some newfound respect i don't know i don't know what direction this is going to go the, the biggest thing i can say is that this match is a wild card because like uh you know we we've been i was going to say this incident happened 7 years ago but i mean we've been probably you know 5 4 or 5 years of just not associating with each other at all so this is going to be really interesting to see how this this match turns out i don't want to say that it's passive aggression per se but it's kind of this underlying don't talk about it kind of relationship that you guys have established over the last few years and now for the first time since all this stuff went down you guys are going to be getting physical one with one another and i worry where and this is me speaking honestly here Mm -hmm. it goes from a match to a fight and i'm i'm hopeful that it doesn't cross into that territory but i very much speaking candidly could see a reality where it does have you thought about that oh absolutely and that's one of the things that weighs heavy on my mind you know i i i i I just honestly i don't know what's going to happen when we get into that ring okay well if anyone wants to tune into this again you can check out the pay-per-view at the link i mentioned before or Come on out in person, WrestleCade.com. Get over there because it's not just this outstanding show that's going to be on the cards. By the way, I mean, my goodness, Speedball Mike Bailey versus Dax Harwood's going to be on that show, which I think has a chance to be one of the matches of the year, and I cannot wait for that. But Matt's going to be there doing signings during the day Saturday. I'm going to be there hanging out. I'm going to do a live podcast recording with Eric Bischoff for Strictly Business. And on Sunday, Matt Hardy, We have a very special presentation, courtesy of the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, the 25 years of Omega Reunion panel. What can fans expect when they come on out Sunday morning? It's going to be a lot of fun. A quarter of a century. A quarter of a century. That sounds crazy. 
nowhere close to as old as Shane Helms, of course, but still. Oh my God! I mean, he, the, <laughs> I, uh, we we can't even we can't compare this to no. Um, and speaking of Shane Helms, I really wish he was able to to be yeah. there. I mean, he's not. He was a huge uh, huge contribution uh, to to Omega and and to the movement and to everything we did to kind of you know make it the stuff that lives in folklore of pro wrestling, especially back in those days. But it's, it's going to be a lot of fun to, to see guys that I haven't seen. A lot of guys I haven't seen in years. Some guys I have seen regularly. Some guys like Caprice Coleman and, you know, first name Sham, last name Payne, Marty Garner. We're going to have a good little crew there, and we're going to sit back and, and reminisce over the good old days of Omega, the Organization of Modern Extreme Grappling Arts, which came to me in Epiphany, by, by the way, which uh, is a matter of fact also. Uh, but yeah, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm so glad that we're actually recording it and it's going to end up popping up and being an episode of The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Yes, and if you haven't gone back into the archives and checked out our episode exclusively on, on Omega, go now and do that. ExtremeHardy.com, one of my favorite episodes we've done. I think it was like episode five. And we are now on episode 47 which is 47 crazy right crazy and i'm grateful for the ride i'm thankful for you that uh we've been able to do this here for 47 episodes you got the big puerto rican thanksgiving coming up this week it's going to be a fun one i'm i'm excited that you get to spend some time with the family and yeah. i'm excited to hang out with you at wrestlecade it's going to be a great yeah. weekend and a celebration of the extreme life of matt hardy but this week's episode is going to be all about the match ahead, Jeff Jarrett. We're going to look into your history with Jeff Jarrett. We're going to look into his personal path in professional wrestling. And I wanted to do this episode and pivot to this because, Matt, I have a hypothesis. Okay. And it's that I believe among all your differences, you and Jeff Jarrett are actually quite similar. And I think that you're, you're, you're not wrong. And I'm not even going to try and dispute that because you're right. And that, that is where, when it comes to his influence and contributions to the business, uh, I, I have a great respect for him. The, uh, the lack of respect I have is when it comes to his content of character. Well, we're going to dive into that here on this edition of The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. And as we do every single week, Matt, I ask you, hit us with that Matt fact. Matt fact, Matt has grown to appreciate Thanksgiving. Is that ever since you started a family? Yeah, I think so. Uh, that's from being married. One of the most famous Matt facts back in the day was like, Matt thinks Thanksgiving is a boring holiday. Mm -hmm. So I am updating that to it. Wow. Okay. Redcon. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure I will match those up. Single Matt Hardy who uh, would endure Thanksgiving back in the day. Like everything's closed. Like they shut everything down. Jesus mm -hmm. Christ. These holidays drive me crazy. Come on, let's go, go, go. I want life to, I want life to continue as normal. Travel was hectic. Anytime you're flying around or doing shows, whatever, like, oh, Jesus Christ, just people just to eat your turkey and move on. But now, now, now as time has gone on and especially being a father of, of four beautiful children, three boys and a girl, uh, I, I really do. I look, look forward to the big Thanksgiving feast that, that my wife prepares and, and the kids get very excited for it and, and they look forward to it. And, and there really is something to being thankful and being grateful that we are able to get together and we have everyone and everyone is, is healthy and, and that we can sit down and enjoy a meal. And, and it's kind of become a thing like my house, uh, Revy cooks for like everyone. We're going to have a huge 
packed house for Thanksgiving this, this year. So uh, it, it really does. I, I appreciate it. And it makes me grateful that I'm, that I have the life that I have and that I have these kids and that they're healthy and there's so much love and, and we're, we're so blessed to be, to be healthy and happy, you know? So, so it really has changed my perspective being married mm-hmm. and having a family and being a father really has helped change my perspective on Thanksgiving. She go all out on Thanksgiving food wise. Oh, oh yeah. Insane. Insane. I just told her to go crazy. The bill's big, but you know, that's why, that's why Dada's out, you know, bringing home the bacon, you know, make, making the money. So uh, a big turkey and mafungo Thanksgiving we're going to be okay. having. She, she, will, she is going to make Thanksgiving dinner with all the trimmings. Listen, man, there are two things that I will actually spend money on myself for. I'm very frugal with myself. I'll spend on other people, but there's two things I want to spend on myself. Live music and food. So I'm all about you splurge when you got to splurge yeah. for, for that. I'm, I'm team go all out on the holidays. Uh, will brother Nero be joining you for the holiday season? Uh, they, they definitely have an invite and it sounds like they'll be swinging by. So that's awesome. That's great. Glad you guys get to spend some time together. Yeah. Awesome. Let's talk Jeff Jarrett, Matt Hardy. This is one of the true last outlaws of professional wrestling born in Hendersonville, Tennessee. He was a great athlete growing up. I'm not sure if you were aware of that. He was actually a high school basketball superstar. And it looked like he might have had a path there. Uh, But he starts working for his father, the great promoter Jerry Jarrett in Continental Wrestling, as a referee in March of 1986. And he would train under his father as a wrestler and Tojo Yamamoto, who Tojo, if you've seen any of Jeff's stuff on the Ad Free Shows Network, the Conrad Cinematic Universe, if you will, you know that Tojo is a huge part of who he would uh, eventually become. And over the years... Jeff starts wrestling with more entities like the AWF, Continental Wrestling, and eventually his father purchases the Texas-based World Class Championship Wrestling and merges it with Continental to create the USWA. A lot of moving parts here, but the point that I'm trying to make is the Jarrett's were embedded in the territory system in the late 80s in American professional wrestling. When do you first remember hearing of the Jarrett name? Uh, I mean... Earlier on, once I once I first started getting into wrestling and I tried to start learning things, uh, the behind the scenes information and content to try and figure out a better path to to making it and becoming successful, uh, it was synonymous, right? The Jarrett name with you know Tennessee. So th- that's the first time I remember hearing about it, about Jerry Jarrett being a promoter more than anything else, and that he had a son Jeff Jarrett that was that was a, a wrestler who was really climbing his way up the ranks. That's that's really the first time I. Re- remember being introduced to the journey. I want to put into perspective for viewers or listeners who might not necessarily be all that familiar with Memphis or Tennessee wrestling. What role did that territory play in exploding the scene and giving guys some more reputation and credibility? I mean, it was extremely famous, especially, you know, for the style, you know, there, there was a lot of entertainment woven into the, the wrestling they would do in Memphis. They, they would have like these matches that were like, you know, serious. And, and mo- most of the characters are more like regular, normal characters, guys out there, wrestlers who seem to be out for an athletic contest to want to match up and whatever. But they would have these entertaining spots that they would do that would give people a good chuckle or a good laugh. You know, that like, especially I remember coming up in the business in the, in the 90s and so many people, okay, yeah, right, right there, do the Memphis spot, right? Do the Memphis spot, right? That was like a common thing people would say often you know and it would be something where 
you know, someone goes on a dummy run, which Jeff loved to do all the time, where a guy, you know, a guy drops down a couple times and the guy's running back and forth the ropes, but he gets so in to the zone, he just keeps running back and forth and doesn't notice the guy stop dropping down. And then the guy jumps in and like takes his head off or whatever. So once again, do the Memphis spot, whatever it may be. There were so many different Memphis spots, but that would be a common thing. Like, oh, right there, man, we should do the Memphis spot. That was a very common thread in wrestling in the 90s. And I mean this genuinely, just about every big star in wrestling from the 80s or the 90s went through Tennessee at some point. Yeah, I mean, it feels like it was a launching pad for a lot of people. There, there would be guys who would, would be sent down to Memphis. I, I even remember when WWE uh, had a developmental territory down there where they would send talents to Memphis. Some of our guys, you know, went down to Memphis, like uh, Joy Abs. You know who I think is uh, going to be up at the uh, the the Omega panel that we're doing on Sunday. He he was down in Memphis. They sent uh, Joy Matthews. They sent Christian York to Memphis. You know Memphis was a place that would they would send guys to to get their fundamentals together and, and really learn the business and make sure they were TV ready. But it was truly like a launching pad for so so many people's careers. You just said a word that I think is going to become an overarching theme in talking about Jeff Jarrett specifically is fundamental. Fundamentals were essential in that Memphis style of wrestling. Knowing how to throw a great punch. Some of the best punches in the history of pro wrestling came from wrestlers right. out of the Tennessee territories and doing things very sound. Jeff Jarrett was never the flashiest wrestler, but damn, was he one of the smoothest and most technically sound throughout the course of his run. Sure. How, how do you feel that aided in giving guys longevity that came out of that territory? I mean, it really, it really did. Like, if, if you would go to Tennessee, it was it was a, of an old school mindset, and you were going you were going to learn how to not just wrestle fundamentally. You were also going to learn how to get the most out of everything, and that's something I feel like we don't even always use today in the business. I feel like there's some things that happen in the context of a wrestling match that people don't get the most out of. In Memphis, they would get the most mileage out of everything, and 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 I love that, and I'm here for that, and. I, I learned that a lot more after I got older too. And I realized like my body is beat up and my body has changed, like really get the most out of every single thing you can. And that's really what they, they drove home hard in, in Tennessee, especially like in the Memphis territory. I think of some of the greatest punches in wrestling. Jeff is up there. Uh, Jerry Lawler, in my opinion, yeah. has the best work punch in the history yeah. of wrestling. And that's again, Tennessee legend, right? Memphis legend in Jerry, the King Lawler. Uh, would you say Jerry Lawler is probably the biggest name to ever come out of memphis i feel like i feel like he is just once again synonymous with memphis mm -hmm. and and i feel like it. yeah i mean jerry jerry lawler did so many great things there and he went on to have success and other bigger companies and territories as well so yeah i feel like when you you name the biggest actual pro wrestling star that comes out of memphis i would say jerry lawler but then once you start talking about tennessee i'm going to say that the jarrett name and the jarrett family they're up there too because not only did they do well in pro wrestling? They were just influential towards pro wrestling and in the things that happened in pro wrestling, not just being a wrestler in the ring. Yeah, and Jerry Jarrett would end up being hired by the WWF, and he becomes one of Vince McMahon's right-hand men. Mm -hmm. And when Vince is going through the steroid trial, there were even rumors that Jerry Jarrett would be taking over the World Wrestling Federation, right. which is just crazy and jeff comes over shortly after when that stuff was going on because this is right around when you're doing your first enhancement runs in new york right do you remember there being any discussions of something like that or did you have any early interactions with jeff or jerry uh no not 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 really not really um the first interactions that i had with someone that was like a 
a big power broker in WWE was JJ Dillon. That was after a couple of the dark matches we had, you know, we were just, we tried to make it clear to him that we were looking for any opportunity possible. And that was like right after uh, the Jerry Jarrett era, if I'm not mistaken. Gotcha. But, but, but I, I do remember when, when we came there the first couple of times and, and the trial was going and whatnot, there, there were times where it, it seemed like it was a stressful environment. There was a, a lot of pressure on with some of the guys and they were just unsure of what the future was going to hold. So anytime you have some sort of gig and especially that's, Right around the time, too, I think guys started to sign some contracts. I mean, if you're contractually bound to someone and you're not sure what the future is going to hold, that's kind of a that, that keeps you kind of walking on eggshells, keeps you guessing about your future. Well, in 1993, Jeff forms his first true character in the World Wrestling Federation, and that's the Double J character. He coins the two catchphrases. The first one, it's, that's J E double F J A double R E double T. And of course, ain't I great? And he's starting to develop some heat with crowds. I personally have always felt that the best heels have those small little nuances that just can get under a crowd's skin. They don't have to be super overt and over the top about it. And it works. What do you think of small things like that? And I'll, I'll even for Jeff's case, I'll include the Fargo strut that he does as well as part of that package. What do you think of that initial presentation of Jeff Jarrett? I, I thought it was interesting, especially the, the flamboyant outfit with all the lights on it, whatnot, the way it was all lit up, just so outrageous and over the top. Uh, and, and it was cool. Even back in the day, Jeff was very friendly to the guys who were there working as extras or enhancement talent, whatever. And I remember times where um, you would see him maybe just like sitting down reading a newspaper or whatnot. And it almost looked like he was trying to just like buy time because he had a late night and just like, don't fuck with me or whatever it, it may be. You know, the, the wrestlers were notorious for – being out late and partying, whatever, back in those days. So he, he, he was, all, he was always friendly. He was always, always kind to the, to the extra guys too, because he, you know, he grew up in the business and he, and he got the business. Because he grew up in the business among the boys, did he ever have any extra stigma around him that, Oh, that's Jerry Jarrett's son. And I mean, we know in the territories, there was certainly some of that. There's a very famous story with Steve Austin and Jeff Jarrett in that regards. But in WWE specifically, do you remember seeing anything like that? Um, no, I mean, we, we wouldn't really been on the level where we would have been involved in a conversation if, sure. if that was going on. But, but it definitely wouldn't surprise me, especially because anyone who has political ties in pro wrestling is always going to have a target on their back. You know, if, if they think it, it, a lot of times, especially in those days when it was a lot more doggy dog, right. Uh, if a talent has uh, politics in their pocket, that might help them move up a level or take someone else's spot, whatever, there's always a target in their back. So I, I'm sure Jerry had to, I mean, I'm sure because his dad was Jerry Jarrett, I'm sure Jeff Jarrett had to deal with some of that. Yeah, that's tough because that doesn't necessarily make it warranted in any way. And as right. I said, again, me opining here, I always thought Jeff was just as smooth as a worker as you're going to find from that era. And that's also an era, keep in mind, perspective here. Being a smooth worker is not commonplace. There's a lot of lumbering giants sure. and, and people yeah. who are very physical. Right. But he's standing it's, out in well, that. It's not, what the, it's not what the business was built around at, at that time. Right. And Jeff is kind of an outlier in that regard where he is as fundamentally sound in, in a land of giants as you're going to find. Mm -hmm. Well, he gets paired up with a guy you know pretty damn well. We saw him in your 30 Years of Matt Hardy tribute video. The road dog, Jesse James, then known as the roadie. Because, yeah. you know, Jeff, Jeff's a big country music star and he needs a roadie. 
They make a smash music video hit called With My Baby Tonight. You remember the song, that? Oh, yeah. Very, very much so. I, I dug that. Do you spend your days working hard on the go? Uh, I feel like I do spend all my days working hard on the go. I'm always going and I'm always working hard. Hands on the clock keeps spinning too slow. I can't wait to be alone with my baby tonight. And I'm sure Rebby can't wait either. Mama can't <laughs> wait either for you to get home. But anyway, they put out this great music video. They shoot it in Nashville. He wins right. the Intercontinental Championship. Things are looking like gravy, but he has a contract dispute with WWF, and he goes to WCW instead. And on TV, the roadie reveals that the song was all his. He was the one singing, and Jeff was Jeff, Jeff was just lip syncing. We never got a great payoff to this. It was never a proper payoff because Jeff left. But uh, this was fun stuff. Do you remember anything about that angle and maybe where that could have headed? And what do you think that did for your buddy Road Dog? Yeah, I do remember that angle. Uh, myself and my crew, we dug it. And I, I do know that was going to be the, that was the angle right right from the jump. You know, they were going to do a thing where it ended up, Jeff Jarrett was just a poser and it was going to be, a, it, he was lip syncing Roadie and, wrote, uh, you know, the Roadie was the guy with all the talent, Road Dog. Uh, and, and as you said, things happened and he ended up leaving. And that's almost like the story of Jeff Jarrett's career in, in so many ways. You know, he just, he, he changes directions instantaneously and you, and you never know what he's going to go. And he's, He's not afraid to leave one place and go out and work hard and go somewhere else, which is, is something I, I kind of respect him for. But I, I did think it was cool that they eventually did get to the reveal that it was Road Dog that was singing the song, and then that kind of became his thing or whatever, and it helped thrust him into a little bit more relevancy and ultimately led to him sticking around longer, and he ended up doing the deal with Billy Gunn and becoming the New Age Outlaws, and we all know that turned out pretty well for them. <laughs> okay daddy ass still yeah. kicking ass today yeah. too wild wild stuff but you brought up a great point he is very business centric very much so and i will say this wholeheartedly and honestly from my interactions with jeff jared and working with him on podcast seat network <laughs> i have never met someone who is more business oriented than jeff jared is he is so connected and in tune with how do we make money on this? How can we right. create opportunities for everybody? And I say that in a very complimentary way. I don't say that in a negative way at all. He's very forward thinking. I could have a great pitch, but then it's like, okay, well, how do we monetize this? Sure. And that kind of mentality, how does that help you succeed in wrestling? I mean, you you, ha you have to have that mentality. I mean, wrestling, once again, it's not as, uh, you know, as, as Scott Hall, rest in peace, as he would say all the time, this isn't, you know, this isn't show friends, this is show business. So you have to remember, first and foremost, like this is a business. And you need to go where you're going to be able to make the most money, you're gonna have the best opportunities to, to grow yourself. And, and that really is what you have to think about things like how are we going to monetize this? You know, wrestling is entertainment. And, and it's all great and good if you're having fun, and you're doing something you love, and you have amazing creative input into whatever. But if it's not like monetizing itself, then it's kind of defeating the purpose. That's that's why this is a business and you have to treat it as such. And and Jeff Jarrett is one of the guys who is elite when it comes to that. He is elite at treating pro wrestling as a business and, and figuring out how to monetize whatever it is he's doing. Well, there is a time of the year where things can be show friends rather than show business, Matt Hardy. Um, and that's when sure is. that's when you're showing your friends at the Thanksgiving table or the holiday table about 
your nice squeaky clean pubes and manscaped of course because it's never too early to play holiday music it's never too early to start thinking about gifts whether it's for one of those friends or friends in your pants you can make this a season to be jolly and thankful with manscaped i am thankful for manscaped i know you are i know you're going to be I don't know if you guys say grace or anything at the table, but everyone's going to be saying grace and you're going to say, thanks for the great family. Thanks for my lovely wife. Thanks for my health, my longevity, my career, and my clean shaved testicles. And Maxwell and Wolfie will say, amen, because they'll say, Dada knows what's going on in his pants because of Manscaped. He's got the mower of lawns 4.0, the lawnmower 4.0 helping him avoid another silent night in the bedroom. And then you add in Manscaped's top-of-the-line shower products, have the people thinking, all I want for Christmas is you. (laughs) Santa cares about his sack, so should you. Look nice when you get naughty for going to manscaped.com. Use that code HARDY for free shipping and 20% off the Platinum Package, the Manscaped Platinum Package 4.0. It's the one-stop shop for the man who deserves it all this holiday season. It's got everything needed to help deck your halls from face to balls just in time for the mistletoe season oh i know you're a big fan of that i know you're a big fan of that and once you get all the grooming done and your candy canes looking nice and smooth it's time to make sure you don't smell like a reindeer with the platinum packages shower products all of manscaped shower gear is sulfate free vegan and made to have your skin feeling hydrated and smelling fresh i know matt hardy after you get done dealing business with jeff jarrett at wrestlecade you're gonna step in the shower you got your manscaped products how good is that going to make you feel after that match? It's going to make me feel absolutely wonderful. And we want you to feel wonderful as well here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Hardy at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code Hardy. Manscaped, get your jingle balls ready for the holidays. Yes, sir. We thank them sponsoring this podcast every single week here we love manscape afford anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls how to refine your mental models and how to think about how to think paula while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year it is far less likely than it is on thirty thousand dollars a year right i would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight it was a hundred percent you need to make more money make smarter choices and build a better life afford anything wherever you listen so jeff leaves the wwf and heads to wcw for a brief run And in that year that he's there, he actually has a stint with a stable that helped define your childhood as a wrestling fan, the Four Horsemen. Is is Jeff Jarrett your favorite horseman? Uh, I actually forgot he was a horseman until I read the notes in this deal. So I guess that wouldn't wouldn't qualify him for being my favorite horseman. Um, But but no, I I do remember that little run he had. and, And I thought it was interesting. I thought it was cool. That he got the opportunity to do that. Um, Four Horsemen, just uh, one of the greatest factions of all time, you know, especially in the beginning when it felt like the the original Horsemen act and, and just the gig and what they did. And they were just creating, you know, chaos everywhere, just mayhem nonstop. You know, they, they were amazing. So it was cool that Jeff got the opportunity to, to be a Four Horsemen. And what an endorsement that it is as well. Huge. To have your name associated with that lineage. Sure. I asked you this because it has actually been a 
hotly debated topic in the Conrad Cinematic Universe. All right. Whether Jeff Hardy, or not Jeff Hardy, we know Jeff Hardy's not, whether Jeff Jarrett was an actual four horseman. And Conrad says absolutely not. There's no way that Jeff Jarrett was a four horseman. But I mean, but, but he was on TV as part of the four horseman, correct? He was, in fact, on TV for a couple of months as a member of the four horsemen. I mean, so, I mean, it's fact. That's a mad fact, then. He was a member of the Four Horsemen for, for a small amount of time. It is not mad fiction? Yeah. Let the record show. Matt Hardy believes that Jeff Jarrett, despite not remembering that he was, yeah, was, in fact, a member of the Four Horsemen. But I do. I mean, as soon as you jog my memory, I do remember when, when that was going down and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, let's face it. If, uh, if, if they put you in a group, and they have you with this group and announce you with the group on television, then you are part of that group. I mean, it's just, uh, that's the truth is the truth. The truth is the truth. I like it. That's, hey. I guess with Conrad, I'm just going to have to, we're just going to have to agree to disagree. Well, you know, Conrad is very much a wrestling traditionalist. Of course. This is the man that brought back Jim Crockett promotions, like single-handedly brought back Jim Crockett promotions. And he says, well, man, you know, you can say that you were a horseman, but you weren't a true horseman. So that's where this debate has. That, that, that was that was part of the, the building blocks and foundation of his match with Ric Flair, too, right? Whenever it was very much part of it. Yeah, that was a, a big that was kind of the foundation that match was built on, right? What do you think? What do you think of the aesthetic of all that stuff? Remember, there was the, you. I mean, you had Tony Schiavone and David Crockett himself calling these matches with the old JCP background. Did that strike your nostalgia there? I, I mean, it, it it was cool. Uh, you know, once again, it seemed like more of a novelty event as a, mm-hmm. as opposed to like, oh my god, you know, Jim Crockett Promotions is back. It was obviously a a, a novelty. You know, but I, I did. I enjoyed it for what it was worth. And and the fact that Rick felt like he never got a proper last match or wanted a proper last match and that he got to live that out and he lived through it on top of it, it I think it's pretty cool. What did you think of Jeff being one of his opponents in that match? Uh, it's, it's a good call. He's a good go-to. Uh, a, a guy that people know. I mean, Jeff Jarrett is a, a household name, a guy who has been a star in every promotion he's worked in, and he's just a, a, a very solid fundamentally strong wrestler and i think that's a a great person especially if you are trying to get someone who is going to get rick cheered in his last match which i think people are going to cheer him whether rick is trying to get cheered or not you know just out of the respect for everything he's done and everything he's accomplished and you know him being the nature boy and whatnot so uh yeah i I think jeff jarrett was a good comment i think more than anything that was exactly it jeff because he was so fundamentally sound and he gets such great heat he would be the perfect guy to have in there with uh-huh. Rick. And I don't disagree with you at all. And I thought they did a, a great job building all that stuff. And you know, the match was what it was, but Jeff played his role well in it. So he leaves WCW after just a year there and he would return to the world wrestling federation. And that's where you get a chance to actually start to work with him some, right. uh, especially once he forms a tag team with Owen Hart We've covered this before on the Owen episode in the archives, extremehardy.com. But the first match you have with them is a dark match in February of 1999. And you guys actually beat them. You beat them clean. 
And do you have any recollections of that dark match and getting to work with a hero of yours, Owen Hart? Uh, ironically, I, I I don't I don't like vividly wow. remember that match. I, uh, I I'm sure we thought it was cool at the time, especially considering that we ended up winning the matchup or whatever. But I, I do know that those guys were big advocates for myself and Jeff at that time. And it, it was probably their idea in reality is what I'm guessing. Um, and there was a push, and I know I addressed this in the Owen episode, and, and it didn't just come from Owen. It was from Owen and Jeff. They just said, like, uh, there's not a lot of great tag teams, and we're looking to build a strong division. You know, now that we're champions, why don't we do a deal where we end up dropping the titles to, you know, the Hardys, People, they're, they're, people like them. They're they're starting to you get reactions and whatnot. And I think we could drop the titles to the Hardys. We could help get them over. And then we could win them back. But it would help make another team that we could work with very often. Mm-hmm. So uh, they they were both they both had the the greatest mindset and, and, and a great attitude. And they were very both very cool to us. Very generous as well. You'd face them a couple weeks later on Shotgun Saturday Night, where they do beat you. But it seems like there was potentially a path here to maybe getting a return on television where you would have beat them for the championship. So that's, that's something that they they, they definitely uh, they put a request in for that. Yeah. Uh, apparently, the request was ignored. Uh, we we didn't get the uh, the, re- the request was not fulfilled. But they were they they advocated for for working with us. <laughs> well, hell, if anyone's going to put the Hardy Boys over in their first title match, <laughs> <laughs> well, hell, we'll put the Hardy Boys over. But you better not tell us till the day of, because if you don't, we're going to make sure to ixnay it. Outstanding. I loved his story in your 30 years video where uh, they asked yeah. Ron Simmons what he would do if he had to do any swantons. He said, Tag John. <laughs> <laughs> we did we did a vent omega to Ron Simmons one time and uh and we hit him and uh you know I think afterwards we said, Oh, how was that? He said, he said uh yeah, he said we won't be doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> We did it around one time. How was that, Ron? Was it okay? He said, damn, we won't be doing that again. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What a great story that is. I love that. I love that. That's awesome. How was it? He didn't even answer. He said, we won't be doing that again. <laughs> Too good. Oh, man. I would love to get him on the podcast one day. He oh would be. God, he's so unique. <laughs> Right there, I'll punk your ass. You know, sometimes we're telling me he's going to hit you. Right there, I'll steal your ass. You know, right there, I'll punk your ass. Right there, boom, I'll steal your ass. He was just so charismatic to talk to, too. So funny. Just such an amazing sense of humor. And a legit legend, in my opinion. Legit legend. A a legit athlete. A legit badass, too. Yeah. I saw saw Ron Simmons one time walk into the gym, uh, we were at the gym, busting our ass, trying to gain weight, get bigger, stronger, whatever, you know. And uh, Bradshaw was in there working out. And I remember uh, Ron Simmons comes in. And he looks one of the benches. There's three fifteen on it. He doesn't warm up. Whatever he's got on jeans, a fucking uh, button-up shirt, and lays down and like reps out three fifteen for like twelve, thirteen, fourteen, whatever it was. Super easy. And then uh, he just tells John, I "said All right, I got me a good little pump. If you need me, John, I'll be waiting for you to finish your workout. I'll be at the bar next door." <laughs> He came in in jeans and cowboy boots and a button-up shirt and just repped out 315 like one shit. And he said, I'll, I'll be next door to the bar. Let me know when you're done. Well, I do have a hypothesis, Matt, as to why he was able to do that. I do too. Yeah? What might yeah. your hypothesis be? 
Because that morning he took his AG1s. That's exactly right. And what am I talking about with AG1s? I'm talking about one delicious scoop of AG1, and you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, all of those things while still tasting great. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, or however much turkey and mafungo you eat at Thanksgiving dinner. It's going to contain less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, artificial anything, while still tasting good and supporting sleep quality and recovery. AG1 is a small micro habit with big time benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. And tons of people, as we know, take some kind of multivitamin. It's important to choose one with high quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. And Matt, I actually sent you a screenshot of this. One of my buddies and a longtime listener yeah. of this podcast, JT Pruitt, uh, texted me. He said, hey, I just got my first couple shipments of AG1s, my first couple monthly shipments of it, and I absolutely love it. Our, it's a our, great, great product. Our listeners are taking advantage of the offer, Matt Hardy. Yeah. yeah. Using that code Hardy. Rock and roll, man. And the easiest way to do it, to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, is just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different supplements and pills to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D. And how many free travel packs, Matt Hardy? Five, cinco, five, cinco, five free travel packs and coming with, up on thanksgiving because i am going to be downing a lot of food i'm gonna have a triple dose of my ag once Ooh, okay all right just make sure you, you pace them out a little bit that's oh yeah, yeah all you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash hardy again that is athleticgreens.com slash hardy to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance we thank them for sponsoring the extreme life of matt hardy every single week here getting back to jeff he and Owen were paired together, and when Owen passed, it was extremely tragic all around, but especially for Jeff. They were legit travel partners and travel buddies even before they started teaming together. Uh, what do you remember about their relationship? They, they, they were very close, and I, I do remember it being devastating to Jeff. It was, you know, devastating to everyone, but it was especially devastating to, uh, to Jeff Jarrett. He had to go cut a promo after the whole incident happened. It was just, I, 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 I couldn't imagine. imagine. I, no, I, I, I couldn't imagine. No, just an unenviable position to be in. And Jeff was a total pro about it. And uh, that's, again, Jeff Jarrett, at the end of the day, is a pro. He's a pro's pro. And that's a, a big credit to him. It was also during this run, though, that he really leans into being a POS. And he he has the "Don't piss me off" slogan. He's running with Deborah, and right. he's we haven't even talked about it yet, but he's using that trademark guitar shot, especially on women. It's a different time and a different place, but he's going around week in week out and smashing that guitar over women's heads. Can you imagine that happening nowadays? <laughs> I mean, never, never. With that said. Time, different town with that said what did you think of the heat that it got him in that character i mean that 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 was great it, it was it was fun to watch and it, and it really did it was like a <clears throat> a very smart move uh that was stuff you could get away with then and and people ate it up so yeah if you can get away with and you can do it and, and all parties are, are willing to play then 
and go crazy. I say that because I feel like that really leveraged him into a main event run in WCW that we'll talk about in a few minutes here, that momentum that he got with that character. Do you feel that Jeff had legs as a main event talent in WWF? I, I, I think he could have worked in main events. Yes. I, I think he had the talent. I think he had the smarts. He had the wit. Uh, I, I, I like Jeff Jarrett and I, I'm, I was a fan of, of the work he did. I just think there, there became a little bit of an issue once stolen cold rose to prominence and was in control. And the whole thing with Deborah happened, there was a little issue with Deborah there. So I, I feel like that was going to be a, a blockade for Jeff Jarrett. And that's ultimately why he wouldn't get the, the the opportunities he fairly deserved, I think, at WWE. And that's probably why he chose to go to WCW. Well, and he and Austin had, as I alluded to earlier, they had some legitimate heat from back in Tennessee with his father. And, and I don't remember the story verbatim, so I don't want to say it verbatim, but paraphrasing, uh, Austin had been upset with his payout from Jerry Jarrett. Have you ever heard the story? Um, maybe, I don't know. Austin had been upset with his payout from Jerry Jarrett after working a loop in Tennessee. And I guess he was staring at his check and he wasn't happy with it. And Jeff made a comment of, you can keep looking at it, but it ain't going to get any bigger. Something like that. Now keep in mind, this is the son of the promoter. And he said it in jest, but for someone who's upset with their payment, that's not going to fly. And I guess Austin held that against him over the years. Austin becomes a main event guy in WWF and they're supposed to run a program together and it falls apart because of some of that personal animosity. And Jeff did a great episode of my world. Go check that out on his podcast where they went all in on that. He can do that story much more service than I can, but that's interesting. You brought up Jeff, Jeff, Jeff told the story on his podcast. He went all in on it. All in on it. And it's, I mean, I I can see, I can see both sides of that. I mm -hmm. can see that happening, knowing the people as, as well as I do, I guess. Um, Interesting. Okay. I, I technically, I don't, I don't know if I have had technically ever heard that story, but I, I do know there were like legitimate issues between them. And like, uh, it was going to be an issue for Jeff Jarrett to continue to move forward with, with Stone Cold in the position he was in. What's interesting about it to me is that as we know, and we've covered in the last couple of weeks here on this podcast is that shortly after this, Austin is going to go away for a year plus. Right. And what if Jeff Jarrett had stuck around Maybe he gets a main event run with Austin out of the picture there. And maybe we're talking about an entirely different trajectory. But instead, as we know, there's going to be a little bit of a contract dispute. In October of 1999, Jeff's going to leave right after Vince Russo resigns in order to join WCW. Now, Jeff's contract expired on October 16th, 99, one day before his scheduled match with China at No Mercy 1999. As we know in this podcast, No Mercy 1999 is the true jumping point for the career of the Hardy Boys. And you yeah, know, we, we, we did something on that day, right? I, I, you might have had a decent little match on that. <laughs> Going to the archives, episode one of this podcast is about the tag team ladder match between the Hardy Boys and Edging Christian. And the story here is that Essentially, there were allegations from China that Jarrett and Russo had colluded in order to delay his title defense until after Jeff's contract expired and they could hold up Vince McMahon for money. And we're talking $200,000 in cash here. 
It's in folk in wrestling folklore, Matt. It's the time that Jeff Jarrett held up Vince McMahon. And he ends up working the match. He drops the title in a kitchen sink match to China. He gets all these crazy gimmicks thrown all over him. He does the job, walks out. He has said there was no actual animosity, that it was easy negotiations. He even got stock options the next day. But you had an interaction with him that night. Can you please recall that? Uh, The first thing I remember is him showing up later that day and uh, coming in dressed with his gear, ready to rock and roll, and and seeing Joni. See in China and say, "All right, let's go. He said, let's go talk. Let's do some business." And he was just smiling as happy as he could be. They went out. They had the match. As soon as the match was over, he was walking right the fuck out. Right. He had like a little briefcase with him or whatever he had. Just just one little thing. He hadn't brought anything. And uh, I remember he came by us as we were talking to Adam and Jay. We we're getting ready to go out and talk. You know, going over our stuff one last time. Whatever. He said, "All right, you four. He said, "You guys be safe out there." He said, "Take care." He said, tear the house down, but make sure to be safe. You guys don't get hurt. I'll see you down the road as he walked out. And how prophetic is that? I'll see you down the road. Yeah, that, that's a very I, – I, I say that as well. I feel like that's said quite a lot in, in pro wrestling. Usually guys who've been around, it, at some point you'll end up seeing them again down the road. But in the context that you would end up seeing him down the road too? I mean, my sure. goodness – how wild is that? But yeah, he does the job and think how many things could have gone wrong, but everything ultimately worked out. It, did. it actually turned out to be a, a fun, a fun little match. And the consummate businessman that is Jeff Jarrett stuck a gun to Vince McMahon's head and said, give me that money. I'm walking out with it. <laughs> None of that. Jeff got the money and he was able to move on to WCW that, that's amazing, though, man. That's like some legend shit. I mean, right? It, 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 I mean, it, it really is. I mean that 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 took some some huge nuts. And uh, I mean, Jeff Jarrett has seen it all, man. No 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 if ands or buts about it. I mean that that dude has seen it all, and that is that is some legend shit to walk in and hold up Vince McMahon and say, "Look, motherfucker, I need this money if you want this match to go down and happen. I know you're planning on building this lady up and this match was heavily advertised and whatnot. So like, I'm going to get my payday because I know I'm not going to get it down the road. I mean, that is, that is some legend shit, man. Have you ever been called a slap nut by Jeff Jarrett? Probably. I I can't remember specifically. That was a big, that was a big one. That was a big one in the vernacular. Yeah. Uh, I've been called a slap nut and Jack off John by Jeff Jarrett. Okay. There you go. Jack (laughs) off John's got a good ring to it. (laughs) (laughs) that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, the best one just laugh here we have fun laughter chicken soup for the soul brother no whores allowed baby <laughs> uh so jeff goes to wcw and he is consistently pushed as a top guy there what did you think of his positioning as a main eventer in WCW. I know you're not watching Nitro every night, but it's undeniable. You know, he's becoming a multi-time world champion there. He is part of the brand in those dying days of WCW from late 99 to 2001. He is the guy. What did you make of his run there? And how do you think it developed him as a performer? Um, I, I mean, he had a great relation, uh, relationship with Vince Russo. They, they got along really well, uh, which I think that was hugely beneficial for him. And and I, I think he was deserving of it. I, th- I think he's a guy who was talented. Uh, he was smooth. He he knows how to do business. He knows how to do the right things, you know. And uh, once again, a, a guy who's seen it all. I, I think he deserved to have those moments of shine as, as being the champion of WCW. I'm, I'm down with it, and I was cool with it. Yeah, and it developed his personality furthermore. 
I just always crack up when I hear from people and I, I won't even disagree because I feel like I was somewhat the same way when they talk about this run with him. And even in the late nineties, they're like, man, when Jeff Jarrett would come on, I, I changed the channel. I just didn't find him interesting. He was a boring wrestler, but as time has gone on for me, I've really grown to appreciate that Jeff Jarrett had the simple lane, easy approach to pro wrestling. And our mutual colleague, Sean Ross Sapp said that one time, Christopher Daniels told him, never do something in minute three of a match that you can't do in minute 30 of a match. And he equated that to Jeff Jarrett. He said, Jeff Jarrett didn't do anything in 1989 that he couldn't do in 2022. <laughs> he played it smart. Do you credit that to his longevity and being able to sustain himself uh, in his mid-50s here? Of course, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that plays a huge role in the longevity, especially in the beginning. Like, uh, once again, I mean, you only have so many bumps on your bump card. And uh, myself and my brother, we burned through so many, you know, the first 10, 15 years of our careers. I mean, Jeff has been burning through bump cards his entire career. Who am I kidding? Uh, but, but Jeff Jarrett has been very smart. And, and once again, we kind of came up wanting to work the style that is the current style. I mean, when we were in Omega, we would have matches very similar to what you see on AEW programming right now with the young maniacs the, the young crazy guys you know with the darby allens the sammy Guevara's and whatnot that that is the style we desired to work jeff on the other hand came up in memphis and he was taught how to work the memphis style and how to work the fundamentally correct style and how to get as much mileage out of every single thing and also how to get longevity because i'm sure they told him right from day one you only have so many bumps on your bump card don't burn through them sons sons of bitches you know so mm -hmm. it's just you know we, we we never got that earlier on Whenever we worked with Italian Stallion and George South, which you'll be seeing George South at WrestleCade as well, he'll be there. Uh, you know, we we did. We it, it helped us get a, a good fundamental understanding of the business, which we needed, and also you know it helped teach us terminology and whatnot. We didn't know shit about terminology or you know work the left side or what, whatever it may be. You know, because we were just you know we were making it up as, as we as we went along. So J Jeff Jeff came up at, at the right time in the right place, and he was brought up the right way, and him being able to utilize that and, and, and take that advice and, and, and really stick it in the back of his mind and keep it there has helped him had, have great longevity. You both have great perspective on longevity, but that's where there is this polar opposite where he was very protective of the bumps he took and sure. how he wrestled. Whereas you, what you went through, the fact that you're still out there today doing it at the level you are is incredible. It, it really is. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's absolutely, man. And just keep that into perspective, too. March 26, 2001. This is the day that WWF announces its acquisition of WCW. There is a simulcast of Monday Night Raw and Monday Nitro. Sad day in pro wrestling. It, it was a sad day. And famously, or perhaps infamously, Vince McMahon, live on air, fires Jeff Jarrett. Ha, you want to see some legend shit, pal? Here's some legend <laughs> shit, pal. <laughs> he spells out gone. <laughs> <laughs> this was quite a hot topic at the time when this happened. Do you remember this going down? And maybe if that was meant to send a message to the locker room or some of the WCW dissenters, perhaps? Yeah, I, I remember 
I remember when it went down and I, I just, I thought it was fucking hilarious because it really showed Vince feeding his ego. Like, okay, well you got me once pal. Now I get to get you back and I'm doing it on national TV in front of the world, you know? So I'm, I'm sure Vince took a lot of pride in doing that. Were a lot of people talking about that backstage? Yeah. And, and I, I think it was really entertaining, especially for the people that were there whenever it happened. Uh, if someone was a newbie, if they just, been with the company for like a year or so and they maybe weren't too familiar with the situation just knowing how that got under Vince's skin that Jeff Jarrett got him and he he won that game of mental chess right and he, and he got the money and he had the match and walked out Vince said all right pal you want to talk about some legend shit I'm gonna fucking get you back on TV live TV worldwide and I'm gonna make a mockery of you now we can call ourselves even I'm sure that was in the back of Vince's mind and I'm sure Vince's ego was very happy that he had that opportunity to do that and and fire J E double F J A double R E double T on TV. The best part about it is when Jeff walked out, Vince probably no sold it. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. But now here we are two years later, it's been festering in the back of his mind yeah. for two years. Yeah. And he finally gets his comeuppance. Oh my goodness. I mean, wrestling is, Real life, man. Everything is wrestling. Everything yeah. is wrestling. So, with Jeff out of a job, that gives him an opportunity to, well, start his own wrestling promotion. Another theme of Jeff Jarrett's career. Sure. In June 2002, he and his father created a limited liability company, J Sports and Entertainment, and opened a new wrestling promotion, Total Nonstop Action Wrestling otherwise known as TNA. To me, Jeff's greatest contribution to the wrestling industry is TNA because it was the most viable place to work outside of WWE for so many years and it launched the career on television of so many talent. Agreed. I agreed. It was a huge deal. And, and once again, after WCW went down and it was – basically a monopoly you know there was no ecw there was no wcw it was just vince and the wwe uh, just having a alternative was a huge deal and and for jeff to bust his ass to create a company right from the jump which is a huge undertaking it can't be stated enough uh it was a huge accomplishment and i think it was very important for the 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 health and the future of the business as well when did tna start to become on become a part of people's radar and, and start to catch people's attention within your company? Uh, I, I mean, I, I think it was cool right from the jump. You know, they were just trying something different when there was that weekly experiment of the, the weekly shows that mm -hmm. were they pay-per-views. The weekly pay-per-views, yep. Yeah. Uh, but, but I think it really landed on everybody's radar whenever they got the Spike TV deal, right? You know, and, and then there was there was another place that had like a significant television deal where guys could actually go in there and couldn't mm -hmm. come big stars. I, I think that is when everybody said, okay, well, they, they might be a player in the game. This is very cool. Yeah. And think about being innovative. Again, Jeff's a great business mind. The weekly pay-per-view concept. Yeah. That's something that UFC has now adopted and does every week on their own with the ESPN Plus model and you have these special fight night events. Back then, it would seem like, why would someone pay for a pay-per-view every single week? But 20 years later, here we are, and all of a sudden, it's it's a popular business model. And we see indie promotions sometimes do 
weekly events. I, he was ahead of the curve with that stuff. He was, yeah. And 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 there's actually a, around this time, John. There's a short a story that I should share that I don't think I've really ever shared this before. Let's hear it. So uh, whenever I got fired from WWE for a few weeks there during the whole uh, Edge fiasco, right? So I, I was talking with Jeff Jarrett and, uh, you know, my brother had already done stuff down at TNA. And like, I was, I got real hot during that time, you know, when the people were chanting, like, we want Matt, and, you know, all, all the stuff that happened during that time, there was a lot of momentum on my side. And then WWE were, you know, obviously had reached out to me again. Everything was good and they were wanting me to come back. But I had spoke with Jeff and Jeff had put a great deal on the table for me, you know, that I could possibly go to TNA. So obviously I was kind of, uh, not keeping him in the loop of these WWE conversations I was having as well. And whenever I first showed up on, on raw, <laughs> uh, whenever I run out and uh, hit the ring on edge and we have the fight and this when I say, come see me in ring of honor, that whole deal, which if I'm not mistaken, that was in, in New Jersey. It I was. Believe. And um, I remember sitting in the limo. I had flown in, got there right before the show. I was sitting in the limbo. Vince came out, talked to me, big hug, everything else. Oh, so great to have you. This is going to be great, pal. I'm so excited and this and that, whatever. And then uh, Adam came out for a minute and we talked about kind of what we were going to do for a second. And then I remember getting a text from Jeff Jarrett saying, look, man, I know you're in New Jersey. Just tell me the truth. Just tell me the truth. You know, I had been sworn to secrecy, you know, not to say anything about this return that was happening or whatever. And I did. And then like immediately thereafter, I remember we had that segment on TV. I said, yes, I am here. Uh, they gave me a deal. I couldn't refuse. I had to come back. Thank you so much for your generosity. And I appreciate that. But, you know, like it, it, it ends up financially and from a business standpoint, uh, this is what I need to do and come back here and work because I actually got a raise from whenever I was re released before and the money I was making. So I came back making more money and it was more money than I would have made there. And there's a small part of me. I'm sure Jeff was pissed. He had spent all this time interacting with me and whatnot and like trying to bring me to TNA, but also being the businessman that he is, the savvy businessman that he is, I'm sure he understood why I ended up making that decision as well. Did he extend an actual offer to you? Yeah. Did you agree to an offer with him? Uh, I, I had said that's looking like what I'm going to do, but I hadn't signed anything or whatever. Okay. So you gave a verbal, I think this is what I want to do, but it was not pen to paper. Yeah. Yeah. Not, no, none of that had happened. Yeah. Because what, once again, I couldn't even have done anything until my 90 days was up. But you mm -hmm. know, I was back well before my 90 days was up. Fascinating. Do yeah. you think that... That's, I think that's the first time I've publicly told this story. Do you think that any resentment from that may have festered over the years? Possibly. There's huh. certainly a lot of resentment that lies between myself and Jeff Jarrett. So that, that could have played a part in it, I guess. Wow. Interesting. I've, I've certainly never heard that story. So, wow. I mean, you've, you haven't really spoken even about that time period very much on this podcast yet. Right. And, and hopefully at some point long form we'll get to, but that's, that's really an interesting story. Okay, so did, did you have any communication with Jeff much after that for a while, or did it kind of go dark for years? Uh, it, it went dark for a while. Okay, interesting. Well, I do have some good news for you, Matt. If you would <laughs> like, if you would like to get a little TNA yourself upon getting home from Chicago. You know I do. Dynamite. I know you love some total nonstop action. I have an addiction. An addiction to it. That's why I have so many children. <laughs> 
Well, you can do that with our friends at Manscaped. And yes, I know you're saying, John, you already told us about Manscaped. And you're right. I did tell you about Manscaped. But I am a visual learner. I know you're a visual learner, too. I saw you on that Twitch stream, the House Hardy Twitch, with the... uh, the antiques that you brought yes from Rebbe that yeah. you had visual memories of yes well i i'm a visual learner myself mental mental memories mental memories yeah yeah <laughs> and i've got right here with me the whacker of weeds and the, the mower of lawns and the mower of lawns the mower of lawns 4.0 and the whacker of weeds of course i'm talking about the lawnmower which is just the premium 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 top of the line product from manscaped alongside the whacker of weeds senior benjamin's favorite himself they're both unparalleled so when i'm talking about the mower of lawns right here okay again premium stuff we are talking about proprietary advanced skin safe technology that helps you protect your delicate parts all you got to do start it up hear that I hear it. And you see the light that goes on? It sounds absolutely delightful. That is a 4,000K LED light, so you can light the way like Rudolph this holiday season. And then I've got the weed whacker, the whacker of weeds. Look how quiet that is. And that will make sure that you are groomed like a candy cane this holiday season. Manscaped has got you hooked up with the extreme life of Matt Hardy when you go to manscaped.com and use code Hardy for free shipping and 20% off. Matt, how handy dandy are these things? They fit right in your travel bags, don't they? Uh, they're, they're they're easy to travel with and, and they are well worth bringing along because they, as you said, it is a silent killer. It will kill off any hair you do not want and it is absolutely wonderful. That is the kind of silent night you are looking for after a long night in the ring and you go home, you get that total nonstop action at the house hardy and you are rejuvenated and ready to go. Thanks to our friends at Manscaped. And again, Matt Hardy Manscaped is helping all extreme life of Matt Hardy listeners and viewers get their fix this holiday season, get 20% off and free shipping with code Hardy at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code Hardy Manscaped. Get your jingle balls ready for the holidays. I'm sure you loved that TNA little play on words there throughout your your little run there. I'm sure wrestlers were totally mature about it and never made jokes about it. Never. They would never do that. Professional wrestlers, (laughs) they have great etiquette. But is that not just all-encompassing of that era, right? Uh, Totally, yeah. I feel, I feel like that was once again like they tried to extend the attitude era into the mm-hmm. 2000s there you know that's kind of like how that how that started off and it is what it is yeah eventually they rebranded it so well the next time that you'd wrestle with Jeff would be January 21st 2011 on a house show match Kurt Angle's special guest referee and you're teaming with Jeff the first and only time in your career you did so against Mark Haskins yeah. and your boy Shannon Moore do you have any memories of that, teaming that- with him was that was that on an international show? It was, it, it was yeah, you're right. Yeah, that, that's all I remember about that. I, I do remember wrestling those guys, and I remember it being like uh, a cold ass arena and uh, being in Europe. I believe it was Germany. Okay, that you were in. Uh, wow. Uh, so that's what you remember about that. That's the only time you ever teamed with Jeff Jarrett in your entire career. Interesting. That's uh, pretty fascinating, as far yeah. as I look at it. Especially Kurt, there was a special guest ref. We know Kurt and. 
Jeff had some business there together. Uh, he eventually resigns from TNA in 2014, but is back about a year later with his wife, Karen, and they begin an invasion angle with their new promotion, Global Force Wrestling. And during this time, you lost a King of the Mountain match to him. You were there with a few other people. What would you make of the inclusion of GFW in TNA programming at this time? In my opinion, this was the beginning of a really, really confusing time period for TNA where it really had no idea what its identity was. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of stuff going on at that time. Uh, and it was, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I get what they were going for from a business aspect to try and help both companies. But there were there were some parts of it that ended up feeling like a rerun of the whole WCW invasion at WWE, you know, just because we had a company that didn't really have a TV deal. And then they were just like fighting. There was all this infighting, you know, with the guys who do have a TV deal. So it, 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 it was a little confusing. I, I get what they were going for. And I just don't think it had the the full effect that they would have liked it to have at that time. Do you think Jeff's ultimate plan was to try and regain control of TNA at that point? Shoot behind the scenes, not just in gimmick form here? That that wouldn't surprise me at all. I would imagine since TNA was his baby and he started, I would imagine he wanted to be back at the helm. How'd the locker room feel about all that stuff and Jeff returning? Uh everything was pretty kosher. I, I, I don't, I don't remember any big issues. Uh, I, I don't remember any, any drama really. I, I, everything was fine. Everything ran pretty smoothly. Well, in the fall of 2015, you have a match at WrestleCade where you defend the WrestleCade championship against him. And he beats you with some help from your boy EC3, but it's an errant guitar shot that splits you open and everyone is left talking. It's one of the worst in-ring injuries you've ever suffered in your career. Uh, take us through that night. That's a long that, John. <laughs> it's yeah. Take us through that night. It's kind of the impetus for this match that we're going to be seeing this weekend with you. And what stories can you tell us that maybe people haven't heard before about the night that Jeff Jarrett split you open? Um, yeah, I, I, I do remember EC, EC three being involved. Obviously we had a, a little bit of an issue going even over on TN, TNA programming, impact programming. Um, I mean, it, it was pretty much a, a basic straight up match. And uh, it was really shocking that I ended up dropping the Russell Cade title to him. You know, once again, maybe that was maybe that ultimately ended up uh, a case of him being a better politician than I was at that time. But the 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 uh, the guitar shot that ended up filleting my head and left me in the hospital late at night and left my wife there as well. That was a uh, that was the, the, the real big issue that kind of drove a wedge between us. You know, and 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 really kickstarted, you know, the issues that we would have. That that was that was the big start of it. There there wasn't a lot of I'm sorry's or a lot of apologies or just like we did business and he just kinda like fucked off. And then I, I ended up going to the hospital, you know, to go get my head stitched up on my own dime. You know, fortunately Russell Kate helped me out and took care of it a little bit. But uh yeah, that 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 is really where our problems began, I feel like, in reality. Now accidents happen in wrestling. And especially when you bring weapons in, things can go wrong. You don't have full control over it. Sure. So what was it specifically that pissed you off? That there was no showing of remorse? Is that what got under your skin? Was it the fact that you had to go to the hospital? Explain that for us. Yeah. I mean, I, the, the fact that he 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 split me open on this errant guitar shot, you know, and then... Uh, Kind of ruins my night, uh, ruins my night, ruins my wife's night as well. And uh, there was very little remorse. There was 
there was no real sorrow over it. No apology. No, it's just like he didn't give a shit. Like, whatever. You know, I just split this guy's open, uh, head open. You know, fuck him. I hope it ended his career, as he said on his podcast. And I almost feel like that was his mentality when when that was going down. So so that that, that really where, that, that's the point where, up to that point, I'd always had a, a ton of respect for Jeff as a business guy in professional wrestling. But that is where I lost all respect for Jeff Jarrett due to the content of his character. Because I thought that night it was a really shitty human being he turned out to be. Wow. Where do you think that lack of remorse might have come from? Were there any other bad interactions you had prior to that? I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe that was an ego thing. Uh, maybe now that you say it, maybe that was a receipt for me not going to TNA whenever he was on me, you know, from 10 years earlier, who knows? Uh, but regardless, if you fuck someone up in the ring, you hurt someone in the ring, it, it's like, uh, it's an unwritten rule that you address that and that you're sympathetic. And, uh, that, and I didn't get that. So had he apologized to you that night, you think it would have been water under the bridge? I, I think it would have changed a lot. Yes. Yeah. I would have still been upset. There would have still been heat with my wife, but it, it would have changed a lot personally to me. Interesting. Well, he, he does ultimately lose the belt back to you, but it's in a triple threat match with EC3. How did that match play out? If you can fill in our fans. I, I, initially that match was supposed to be me versus Jeff, but uh, ironically, what a coincidence EC3 ended up being added to this match and EC3 was the guy that ended up beating to, to win the title back. So once again, is, was that a case of coincidence or was that Jeff Jarrett being the consummate politician? Who knows? Um, the, the thing I remember about that match is that I, I was I was happy we did it. And WrestleCade, they were almost upset that they took the title off of me and they wanted to get it back on me as soon as possible. Because, you know, WrestleCade, they kind of built that company around me, representing them as, as their champion, you know, especially being a local guy, being in, in Hardy country as it was. So uh, we, we got things back on track and, and was, was pretty happy with that match. And you were fine doing business with him in that? Yeah, it, it, it was tense, but we, we made that work. That was in May of 2016, and it was a three-way steel cage match. Correct. So pretty physical in its own right. But that's not where the story ends here in 2016 with you and Jeff Jerry. That's, that's the last match you had with him to, to date, six years ago. But let's fast forward to something we've talked about at length in our Expedition of Gold episode available in the archives, ExtremeHardy.com. If you haven't checked out our Becoming Broken series, it's my favorite run of shows that we've done here on this podcast, so go check that out. Great stuff. Uh, but it centers around the fallout between the Broken Hardys and Anthem, the company that owns TNA slash Impact slash whatever it was at this time. Right. You and Brother Nero had agreed verbally to re-sign with TNA as your contracts were coming up at the end of 2016, but Jeff Jarrett is brought back to the company in an administrative role, and things start to take a turn as far as intellectual properties are concerned. So I would like you to explain to our audience here, from your perspective, how all this went down and how much of his involvement in your negotiations directly led to you guys leaving for WWE. 
Yeah, that that was a that was a very strange time. Jeff, Jeff and I were fully committed to staying with TNA. We loved the stuff we were doing at TNA with the whole broken universe and everything else. And just once again, uh, big big differences, you know, in 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 my mind from a business aspect, and in Jeff Jarrett's mind from a business aspect. And he ended up uh, doing what he had he had hoped to do. He kind of like got back behind the helm. He was sitting in the driver's seat of, of Impact again, you know, of his baby TNA. And uh, we we had major, major differences of opinion in how, what direction we were all going to go business-wise. And uh, as everyone knows, uh, you know, we, we weren't close. We weren't friends at the time. If, if anything, we were enemies. We were opposition. So uh, Jeff and I in, did end up going to, to WWE when it was all said and done. Um, and and if Jeff Jarrett hadn't been there, we we wouldn't have went back to WWE. I, I think we would have stayed at, at Impact. You know, so there, there's so many things we ended up signing once we did the deals. You know, there's all these uh, non-disclosure agreements and whatnot that, that we signed with everything else. And we really weren't going to go into detail about everything else about it. But but th- that was kind of the the straw that broke the camel's back when it came to Matt Hardy and, and Jeff Jarrett. Once again, my, my brother, Jeff Hardy, uh, he, he doesn't really do business. I've always been the guy that, that does business. He just kind of does his thing. You know, he's like, oh, just tell me what to do, Matt. I'll do the rest. You know, uh, so so the, the conflict was between me and Jeff Jarrett. And once again, it had been, you know, just continued to exponentially increase and get more tense and, 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 and be more anti one another. So that, that, that was that was really the straw that broke camel's back. And then from that point on, we went on like a no speaking, uh, a no, no speaking role. You know, was there is, ever you know, an attempt to mediate and have productive conversation? I'm a believer that poor communication is the downfall of every relationship, whether it's a romantic relationship, a friendship, a business relationship, whatever it may be. Had there been proper channels of communication, could something like this have been avoided and fences be mended? Maybe. I don't know though, man. We, we, I mean, we're, we're both so headstrong. As you said earlier, I mean, Jeff Jarrett and I take a lot of pride in what we do and we take a lot of pride in our brands and we're both very headstrong and we both believe we're going to do what is, is best for us individually, as well as the company we're working with or whatever. So, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know if there was any, any fixing this. And, and maybe the only way to fix it is what is about to happen, you know, here in a, a couple of days at WrestleCade. Yeah. Did that WrestleCade incident ever come up during your time there? Uh, I think so. Uh, kind of uh, in, in jokes, in, in slights, uh, in digs, I would say. Something we both kind of used to, to dig at one another. Interesting. What about when he returns to WWE while you're there. He gets put in the Hall of Fame in 2018. He comes back behind the scenes in 2019. You're still there for that. Any interactions with him at all that were a little off-putting in WWE? Or had he changed in any way? Uh, I, I think he had changed, but the major tension was still there between us. You know, so we just, we both just kind of would do our own things. That's just uh, that. That's basically how business has been since uh, since when he he came back to Impact. You know, we just kind of uh, these tensions just we're on different paths. If we have to work together in the same company, we do. We just interact as minimally as possible. Do you believe Jeff Jarrett is a legitimate Hall of Famer? I do. 
I do. I, I mean, I, I don't have to like someone to acknowledge their contributions to the business and their contributions to the to the in-ring product. And yes, he is. He is a legitimate Hall of Famer, without a doubt. And that's credit to his name and his body of work and everything that he's done and contributed to wrestling as I've gone over ad nauseum in this episode. I feel like he's done a lot. And now he finds himself in AEW with you. We've talked about it in the past few episodes, so I don't want to get too much into that. But again, you've had passing conversations. You just had this pay-per-view match with Sting and Darby Allen and Jay Lethal. And now it brings us to this WrestleCade match, WrestleCade.com slash tickets. That's where you can get your tickets still to this event and to this convention. It's going to be great. Uh, both Matt and Jeff Jarrett will be on the convention floor and then they'll have their match there. Matt and I are going to have the 25 years of Omega panel on Sunday, but I, I, I'm not lying to you, Matt. It's going to be one of the most anticipated events of my career, getting to call this match of yours with Jeff, because there's so much real history between right. you guys. So I want to give you the floor here as we wrap up this episode. Is there anything else you'd like to say to Jeff Jarrett or about Jeff Jarrett as we approach this match at WrestleCade? Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I don't feel like this is a typical wrestling promo because it's not. This is real life that we're dealing with here. And, and the things we talked about today when it comes to his contributions to professional wrestling, uh, I respect Jeff Jarrett. When it comes to his uh, ability to pivot on a moment's notice and go from one company to another, uh, you know, to, to stand up to the boss and, and ask for his money right there on the spot and then leave and walk out. I respect Jeff Jarrett. When it comes to the fact that he has been a smart worker and, and that he is willing to do what's right for business in many ways, I respect Jeff Jarrett. But when it comes to being a human being and, and the soul that exists within the, the, the body of Jeff Jarrett, his content of character, I do not respect. I respect the fact that he battled addiction and alcohol and he overcome that and he's made himself better in life. I, I do respect that. But the fact that he has hurt me, and I wouldn't say that was intentional, but he, he did hurt me. But for him to kind of like glaze over that like it was unimportant and then just, oh, whatever, another day at the office and, and, and not have any sympathy, not have any concern, not have any remorse that he, you know, fucking physically damaged me really bad. And, uh, and, and my wife loathes him for him not to be over the top apologetic for that, you know, especially when we're sitting in a hospital till 6am in the morning when this is like a nice night for us and, you know, we just want to have our nice Thanksgiving WrestleCade evening. I don't respect him. I don't respect him for that conduct at all. So there are a lot of contributions that he has given wrestling that I respect him for. But there are a lot of contributions uh, that, that Jeff Jarrett has, has has shown me. Not even that. Not even contributions. There's a lot of uh, aspects of Jeff Jarrett, his content of character, and the person he is that he has shown me that I have absolutely no respect for. So... I'm so happy we're having this match Saturday night because his reprieve is over now. It is time for him to to pay the piper. It is time for him to to be punished. It is time for him to be atoned, much like I was trying to find my atonement over the summer, you know, for being guilty, the things I did to private party or whatever else. Uh, this match is going to go one of two ways. Either it's going to be really 
really bad. And it's going to break down and f- fucking become real. And that might happen. That, that might even happen with Rebbe and Karen, Karen Jarrett out there, too. Or we're finally going to get in the ring. We're going to beat the shit out of one another and finally get some sort of personal respect for one another. And I'm not sure which one's going to happen. Knowing how wily of a, of a business guy, knowing how savvy of a, of a business guy Jeff Jarrett is, uh, I'm concerned the first, the first maybe what happens. But I guess we'll see. Uh, regardless of how you slice this, this Saturday night, this match, which I, I didn't think could even happen. I didn't think would ever happen. But it is. Uh, I am volunteering. And Jeff Jarrett is volunteering. We're volunteering to get in the ring with one another. So when it's all said and done, this is going to be a, uh, a massive spectacle. And I, I can't promise what's going to happen. But I, I, I can promise I am going to beat Jeff Jarrett enough that I will gain some respect for him for even stepping in the ring with me. So with that said, I'll see all you guys at WrestleCade Saturday. Is it about even winning the match for you? Or is it more than that? I think so. I, I, I think it's about feeling like I'm getting my just desserts from Jeff Jarrett. And I think winning, once again, for me, is important. Because I, 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 I need to have I need to have some sort of closure to this deal between between him and I. So one way or the other, regardless of what the outcome is, I'm going to find some sort of closure and I'm going to move the fuck on following Saturday night. Clearly very personal to you. As I said last week, what stands out about it to me, knowing you so well, is that you really are somebody that always tries to look at the positive side of things and you don't typically hold animosity or anything towards anybody yet this resonates with you and it, it, it lives with you and it sits with you and it has sat with you for at minimum seven years now. Now this Saturday, I guess we'll see how it plays out, Matt Hardy. We're going to let it play out and WrestleCade is going to be the place to be. Winston-Salem, North Carolina, WrestleCade.com. Get your tickets and we want you to be there for our live panel, 25 Years of Omega, Sunday morning after George South gets his service done. We're going to be there taking good care of you guys and having some fun. And also, Matt, we encourage people every single week to leave their five Cinco Five Cinco Five Star review for us, like this one from J underscore Mel's underscore. He says, Five Cinco Five Cinco Five Star Podcast. I love you all. Does include John Alba as well. This is one of my favorite podcasts. I literally wait each week for you all to release it. Love all the behind the scenes info you guys go through. Just know a lot of people love everyone involved with the podcast and the Hardy Fam as entire whole. Keep it up because I'll be listening. And we appreciate that five cinco, five cinco, five star review. Outstanding. Outstanding. Matt Hardy, a happy Thanksgiving to you. A happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners and viewers of the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Is there anything else you'd like to say to the fans here? Uh, I, I would like to reiterate that. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. And um, I'm concerned about what's going to happen at WrestleCade. But I'm also very excited about what's going to happen at WrestleCade. So, I don't know. It kind of gives you that feeling when you never you, when you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, it, it's uh, concerning, but also exciting. So, happy Thanksgiving to you all. And uh, hopefully... <laughs> Hopefully I won't be locked up or in jail on Sunday morning. Hopefully I'll be there at the Omega uh, the Omega panel. We'll be filming the podcast. 
brother, we got a contract here. <laughs> we got to do this podcast week in and week out. So at least make sure that your cell's got Wi-Fi because I've, I've got to make sure that we get a product out every single uh, week. I better have big money, Matt, slip you some money in case yeah. you can help me out. So. Well, our friends at Manscaped would be very unhappy if you ended up in a jail cell because we need you pushing the weed whacker and the mower of lawns as well. So. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. The words have been spoken. I can't wait to see you this weekend, Matt Hardy. And we'll see you all next week right here on The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Adios, guys. But I feel strongly that saving money is important. You know, if it's not something we worry about now, boy, we are really going to worry about it later. And I want to help you get out of debt faster and do it with cheaper monthly payments. I'm talking to you if you're in a 30-year loan. Now is the time to take years off of your loan. We're routinely helping our listeners cut 5, 10, even 15 years off their loan. And you can do this without perfect credit, with no money out of pocket. You've just got to start at SaveWithConrad.com.